0: Very good morning to you. It's Money Talk with James Ross. It's coming up to 17 minutes past eight. Let's uh, bring in our guests for today. Uh, as normal on a Friday, uh, we're joined by Andrew Ferris, the CEO of Ecoglosis Advisory. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning to you. Nice to have you on. And let's say hello and good morning also to uh, Frederick Chu, Managing Director at Magnum Research. Good morning, Frederick. Good morning, James well what do we make of uh, the bitcoin etfs Uh, 4.6 billion dollars of turnover in the first day of trading after yesterday's approval by the sec um andrew you know is this kind of normalizing bitcoin and uh, is that going to affect how you look at it
1: no actually it will not affect at all how i look at it i'm afraid i'm a determined Uh, dislike, I wouldn't say enemy, because I'm really different, but I just can't stand the idea that now with ETF people, more than ever, particularly retail investors, will be encouraged to trade in nothing. Okay, that that really, really irks me. Okay, Bitcoin is backed by nothing. It has no returns of any kind, except the greater idiot version. In other words, I buy because I expect somebody else to buy it. Uh, Come on. You know, I think I think this was uh, this was uh, a serious mistake. I'm afraid I am I am very invested in that. Okay, in other words, I don't like Bitcoin. Full stop.
0: No strong views at all, Andrew, as noble. Uh, Frederick, you know, is that something that you agree with, uh, or, or you take a different direction?
2: Well, I, I do agree that uh, Bitcoin is um, you know it, it's a it's a mean of exchange that was you know derived uh, from you know the blockchain technology. Um, the, the pure speculation that, that we've seen in the past few years, you know, to me, it, it's completely. Uh, you know, uh, irrational to a certain extent. Um, But I think, uh, uh, you know, gradually the uh, authority is going to put more, uh, you know, uh, uh, regulations uh, over this asset class, uh, which means that the more it's being regulated, the more of the chance that it becomes a major asset class. Well, not, not in terms of the weightings, but one of the major asset classes that will, be uh you know to, to be held by the institutional investors or or, or or you know individual investors so I think the the point for Bitcoin here is I, I don't think we can eliminate the investors interest or you know people holding Bitcoin as part of their portfolio uh, but you know first of all the, this asset class has to be highly regulated um, secondly it's uh, you know the waiting uh, amount of portfolio of, of, of investors has to be controlled at the at the, uh, rational level.
0: Well, certainly some excitement in the market uh, anyway around that. Now, uh, turning to inflation, uh, U.S. consumer prices rising 0.3 percent in December, uh, higher than expected. And, uh, you know, overall, the annual rate now 3.4 uh, percent. Andrew, you know, your views on that. Are, are we on target to have some rate cuts or, or what's your view?
1: No, actually, we are on target to have the same pathetic performance whereby monthly events influence greatly the S&P. This time they didn't. Okay, it is up it goes, down it goes. The game has become to try to outguess the Fed on whether the inflation is going to be trendy enough. My reaction to that is is I tell my clients, wait for six-month numbers, okay, that will establish a complete trend. Right now, it doesn't. Therefore, it will be completely idiotic to buy the market, knowing that the Fed may very well delay for a very long time catch. In other words, I prefer to be buying the market when the Fed cuts. Yes, I'm going to be late, but right, rather than try to address it, knowing that it yo-yos continuously. Enough for one year.
0: So no sense then, uh, Andrew, um, you know, as to how the next six months will go at all. You don't really want to make any predictions, just going to wait, basically.
1: I'm going to wait, and when the Fed finally cuts, okay, then I'll tell my clients to buy. Yeah, it will be too late, I'm sure. Rather than, can you imagine, if I tell them now, don't buy because the Fed is not going to cut yet because inflation is accelerating, and then the January numbers are going to be down, in which case I'll tell them, well, buy now because, the, ah, come on. You know, it is, it is a much game, and I, I don't want to do this.
0: Fred, Frederick, you know, are we playing a second, uh, a second guess game with the Fed here? I mean, is it worth doing that?
2: No, I think the, the market uh, had been a bit too uh, optimistic towards rate cuts for this year. I think if you look at uh, the inflation, obviously, uh, it's it's proved to be you know uh, not not as easy as, as expected to come down, uh, mainly backed by you know the strong labor market and and the, and the wages. Uh, as well as the spendings in, in, in the States. Uh, I, I think it makes sense to, um, to kind of project, uh, you know, at least for the, for the first half of the year, uh, that we need to observe whether the inflation has a tendency to go down before we can consider you know, whether you know, there's likely to be a rate cut.
0: What are you seeing elsewhere, uh, aside from the US? You know, what, are the, what are the indications of where in the world's economies are going?
2: Um, I think it's slowing down for sure. I mean, the, if you if you look at uh, you know in Asia, Japan, China has, has not been picking up, uh, the, you know, uh, as 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 expected. Hong Kong is also kind of sluggish, um, so you know the whole the, the, the entire uh, uh, you know uh, uh, world world demand has has been has been slowing down. So I'm not sure how sustainable these um, these uh, U.S. figures is, is going to be, but uh, what I'm kind of, you know, have a strong feeling is that this is not going to go down for, you know, at, at least uh, a couple of quarters.
0: Andrew, I know you've been keeping your eye on uh, inflation in Japan, which is, um, is doing some odd things, right?
1: Yeah, this is absolutely hilarious. That simply proves my point, okay, or not to end the useless gains. Okay, question. What do the Japanese want? Answer, higher, repeat, higher inflation. That's why they keep their interest rates down to zero or to negative. What are the Japanese getting? Wait for it. They have a target of uh, 2%, and they have an inflation, okay, which is well over, okay, the 2%. Right now, it is uh, about 2.4%. So, hang on a minute. The inflation is falling, and they don't want that. Why? Because they want the inflation to rise. The target as I said is three percent, the actual inflation is two percent and falling, therefore the Japanese are stuck. They are stuck consistently okay, because they say we're not going to cut interest rates. Why? Because we want higher inflation. And we're going to get higher inflation only when wages begin to accelerate. Hence looking at the CPI in Japan and their target is really brings a big smile in my face. The target is three percent, the actual is two, and they want the two to go up towards the three percent, and it ain't going.
0: So why why is it that the Japanese want inflation to to go up? Spell it out for us, Andrew.
1: Well, very simple actually. They have had the famous ten years of lost uh, expectations. They have had. Genuine deflation, in other words, they have had inflation for years at the time, okay, that was a minus inflation. All of these are signs of very weak domestic demand, and they want to cut interest rates in order to increase domestic demand and push prices up. But they are planning or they are hoping to do this through increases in wages, and presumably, cut in interest rates did not lead to increases in wages saw the carry-on cutting, expecting increase in wages and instead of getting a higher inflation they get a lower inflation there you go that's the explanation
0: all right let's let's uh, thank you let's turn to china uh Frederick, your your views on china at the moment obviously you know there have been some tough times uh, are those going to continue you know what are you seeing uh, in the markets that reflect that
2: yeah, I mean, if we look at the um, the weighting of the A shares in the MSCI EM index, uh, it's been down. That's to, the emerging markets. In yeah, in the emerging market index, uh, that that was once uh, been shot up to thirty eight or thirty eight and a half percent back in twenty twenty when you know, a few years after when the uh, MSCN announced the inclusion of Asia, which which was, I think, at the, the peak time of Asia in terms of its uh, globalization. Uh, you know, the economy stands, you know, the fundamentals is strong, uh, r b is strong, and ev- everyone wants to, you know, increase their weightings uh, uh, of Asia in their portfolio. But if you look at now, it's it's been down about 15 percentage points. Um, and, and, you know, Asia basically becomes the the, the, the worst performing market and also uh, the, the most unwelcome market uh, in the in the Asia pac region um I, I think i think the, uh, the, the many reasons of, of course is economical reasons um, you know the, the thing that happens for real estate, um the the, um, the uh, domestic demand etc uh but also a political side we we also seeing you know an you know an uh, wrestling in between the us and and and, uh, and, and china so i think the uh, entire situation is is going to persist. Um, the PBOC has been trying to you know loosen a bit, a bit more and more on the on the uh, monetary policy. They're trying to you know apply favorable policies for people to buy the buy the properties. But you know it, it's it's just not working. Um, so you know it's one of the major concern for the Chinese government is uh, you, they just simply cannot have massive loosening. Uh, policy when the U.S. interest rate is still standing high. So you just to avoid the rate gap to to uh, ex- expand more and more. So I think it's it's in a dilemma at the moment. And, and it's, it's, it's going to go for, you know, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. my, my bet it's uh, for the entire year in 2024.
0: Andrew, what room does Beijing have to maneuver and, you know, what, what could they do here?
1: Well, let's take uh, three steps at a time. Number one. The regime doesn't have, repeat, does not have an inflation fear uh, at all, of any kind. If anything, okay, uh, the inflation numbers have been, uh, have been low to falling. And, of course, the PPI inflation is absolutely positively deflated. So, PPOC P- does not have an issue of uh, uh, increasing uh, interest rates in order to restrict inflation, point number one. Point number two, with inflation at such low levels, the POC is highly constrained of decreasing interest rates because to decrease interest rates and push them into a real negative area, it's going to be much, much away from the comfort zone of PBOC that has always been preparing to cut reserve requirements or simply give a telephone call to the banks and ask them to lend more rather than cut interest rates. So PBOC, as an active player, in increasing aggregate demand has effectively tied its hands. Now, that leaves, of course, a fiscal policy, which I think it could be widely more used, but not simply in building hospitals, trains, and uh, underground stations, the usual infrastructure, but doing something that will increase spending by consumers. Mm. The suggestion has always been that they could try to do something that Hong Kong and Singapore did, but I know and we know that the Chinese will shy away from simply writing checks uh, to, their, to their clients. The fiscal deficit of Japan can increase quite significantly. Japan, uh, sorry, Japan, of, of China. Yeah. China is not a net borrower. It's a net lender to the world. Therefore, it can easily, easily borrow more at home and spend it at home.
0: Uh, Andrew is the CEO of eCognosis Advisory, thanks for joining us this morning, Andrew, and also thanks to uh, Frederick Chu, uh, Managing Director at Magnum Research. Well,